Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I can invite you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of John, the 16th chapter. Beginning back in John 13 and verse 1, you'll remember that the Word of God says, having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. And so in John chapter 13, the Lord wraps himself with a towel and washes his disciples' feet. As we move forward through chapters 14 and 15, and now into chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, there's a dialogue going on about the departure of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. We're studying together, if you will, some of his final words as he encourages the hearts of his disciples. And in John chapter 16, there's a phrase that stands out at the end of the 22nd verse where we read, but the Lord gives a promise that your hearts shall rejoice and that you will have joy that no man taketh away from you. I want to talk this morning about that irrevocable joy that Jesus has promised to us. Irrevocable joy. Joy that no one can take away from you. On this Remembrance Sunday, it's a worthy theme for us to consider. How can we have that joy? What is it that the Lord can give to us that no one else can give to us? Let's ask the Lord to bless as we look into His Word. Now, Father, I pray that you'd minister to our hearts this morning. Thank you for the ministry of music, the songs that have been selected that have encouraged our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to open your word in this free land that you've given to us. Thank you, Father, for those that have been remembered this week as veterans who have given them themselves so selflessly that we might enjoy freedoms that are often taken for granted. And Lord, we realize that without your help, our nation is in great trouble. But more than that, without your help, we too are personally in great trouble and great danger of soul. So Lord, use your word today to strengthen us when we go out from this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And may someone who's here today who's never come to Christ as Savior hear the gospel and respond. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm often amazed at the things that people are able to do. On the 4th and 5th of December back in 2009, Joey Matze, a fitness trainer from Greensboro, North Carolina, jumped rope for 33 hours and 20 minutes consecutively. That's amazing. On the 27th of March back in 2021, a Croatian man by the name of Budimar Sobat intentionally held his breath for 24 minutes and 37 seconds. That's the world record. That's amazing. Don't try it, by the way. (laughs) On the 19th and 20th, of July in 2021, Pablo Fernandez of Spain set the world distance record for long distance swimming when he swam 156 miles without stop. Now these are accomplishments that are simply amazing, set by amazing people, no doubt. But folks, no one can compare with Jesus. Amazing things that people do Amazing people all around us, but no one can compare to Jesus. Years ago, an anonymous author wrote these words, Jesus lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. He did not travel extensively. Only once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived, and that was during his exile in childhood. 
Jesus possessed neither wealth nor influence. His relatives were inconspicuous. He had neither training nor formal education. In infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature, walked upon the waves as payment, and as pavement rather, and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine. He made no charge for his service. He never wrote a book, and yet perhaps all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that have been written about him. He never wrote a song, and yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters combined. He never founded a college, but all the schools put together cannot boast of having as many students as he. He never marshaled an army, nor drafted a soldier, nor fired a gun, and yet no leader ever had more volunteers who have under his orders made more rebels stack arms and surrender without a shot fired. He never practiced psychiatry, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors far and near. Once each week, multitudes congregate at worshiping assemblies to pay homage and respect to him. The names of the past proud statesmen of Greece and Rome have come and gone. The names of the past scientists and philosophers and theologians have come and gone. But the name of this man multiplies more and more Though time has spread nearly 2,000 years between the people of this generation and the mockers of his crucifixion, yet he lives. His enemies could not destroy him. The grave could not keep him. He stands forth upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed of God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, feared by devils as the risen personal Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the incomparable Christ. And there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Jesus can do what no one else can do. In the passage that we've read this morning, I want you to follow me as we discover four things quickly that only Jesus can do. Four things that only Jesus can do. Only Jesus can bring clarity out of confusion. Only Jesus can bring clarity out of confusion. In verse 16, we note that Jesus says, A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. You may want to circle the word see. It's used twice there in verse 16. The first time that the word see is used in John 16 and verse 16 It's the Greek word theoreo. We get our word theater. And it literally means to see with the eyes. To see with the eyes. The second time the word see is being used there in verse 16, it's the Greek word arao. And arao means to see with the mind. To see with the mind. We use the word see both ways in our English language. We say, I see it. And people know You're speaking of seeing with your eyes. Or you may say, oh, now I see. And now you're saying, I understand with my mind. Now, in understanding those two words that are both translated see, you have a key that unlocks John chapter 16, verses 16 to 33. In fact, it unlocks verse 16, verse 17, verse 19, and verse 22. In verse 16, Jesus says, a little while and you shall not see me. He would no longer be visible to his disciples. 
Then, he says, again, a little while, and you shall see me. The disciples would understand completely about him because he was going to his father. Now in verse 17, you still have the key. In verse 17, the disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says unto us a little while and you shall not see me? He'll not be visible any longer. And again, a little while and you will see with understanding. In verse 19, Jesus actually interrupts his disciples. And he says, do you inquire among yourselves of that that I said a little while and you shall not see me? I will not be visible to you any longer. And yet a little while and you'll understand You'll see me again. You'll want to notice in verse 25 of this passage that Jesus acknowledges that he's speaking to his disciples in parables or riddles, and they were, they were confused. And right now you may be as well. So let's see how Jesus promises to bring clarity out of confusion. In verse 20, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say to you, You shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. He's speaking about how his disciples would respond when Jesus was crucified and when he was buried. In a little while, you'll weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Yes, the world would rejoice at his crucifixion. You'll be sorrowful, he says in verse 20, but your sorrow is going to be turned into joy. He's speaking about what's going to happen after his crucifixion. He's telling them of the resurrection that would bring them inexpressible, undeniable joy. He's telling them about the advent of the Holy Spirit coming and filling them so that they would have joy unspeakable and full of glory, joy that could never be taken away. You see, for the Christian, the Christian's joy is grounded in the Holy Spirit's sustaining work of reminding us of the resurrection, grounded in the resurrection, sustained by the Spirit of God, the Christian has joy. Now, here's a promise that Jesus is giving that's beyond any explanation. The disciples in the passage that we're considering are often asking questions and looking for explanations. Jesus doesn't give them explanations. Instead, he gives them promises. Jesus did not quiet the hearts of the disciples by giving them details about what he's about to go through. He's not specifically telling them about Judas coming in the garden, how Judas will give him that kiss of betrayal. He's not going to talk about Peter's response to Jesus' arrest, how he'll take the sword and cut off the ear of Malchus. He's not talking about how he'll be crucified between two thieves. He's not talking about a crown of thorn. He's not talking about the veil of the temple being rent. He's not talking about his last words, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He's not talking about the vinegar that he's going to taste. All of these details are going to come. But in order to sustain the disciples for the details that he knows are going to come, rather than explanations, he gives them promises. Jesus is promising that he can replace their confusion with clarity. What they now see, they'll soon understand. And the promise of clarity which calmed their hearts on the night of his betrayal continues to calm our hearts today. How's that, Pastor Phelps? (laughs) Well, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12 says, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then 
I shall know even as I am known. There's a promise of clarity that shines out of God's Word. We can't see the Savior with our eyes today. We can understand the presence of the Holy Spirit and joy unspeakable and full of glory. And one day, we will understand. We will understand. What a day that's going to be. Perhaps you've heard of the enchroma glasses that were developed to help people who are colorblind. Enchroma glasses were advertised online. In fact, a man by the name of Logan Paul puts on the enchroma glasses for the first time. You can watch it online. Over 27 million viewers have watched it. And suddenly this man who all his life has been colorblind is able to see colors for the very first time. He shouts out, the glasses cured my colorblindness. He looks at his parrot. He says, I have the most beautiful bird on the planet. With the glasses on for the very first time, he sees as the sun begins to set. And he shouts out, I can't believe I live my whole life missing out on stuff like this. (laughs) One day in heaven, we're going to open our eyes and we're going to say, I can't believe I live my whole life under the cloud of confusion. And now suddenly, I have clarity that only Jesus can provide. The Apostle Paul was praying for that which one day we'll all experience. When in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, he said, the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. And we will know what is the hope of our calling and the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints. You see, Jesus can do what no philosopher can do, what no teacher can do, what no politician or no political party can do. Jesus can give you clarity in the midst of your confusion. What a great Savior we serve. Only Jesus can give you the clarity that you need in the confusion that you experience. And only Jesus can turn sorrow into joy. Jesus says, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Jesus does not say, follow me, and you'll never have sorrow. The reality that we experienced this morning is all around this room. There are many people who stood to share that they have experienced the burden of going through the valley of the shadow of death and experiencing sorrow. But Jesus in this passage says, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Look at verse, 60, verse 33 rather, of John 16. In verse 33, Jesus allows us to face the realities of our life, that we'll have sorrows, that we'll have tribulations. These things he said in verse 33, I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have, in the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus is promising to do something that no one else can do. He's promising to give us cheer, to give us courage, to give us joy in the midst of our sorrows. You see, the disciples had expected that Jesus would make Jerusalem his capital city and he'd rule and reign from the throne of his father David. Instead, the disciples witnessed his crucifixion on the cross and discovered that rather than a capital, it would be the place of his burial. And then... John chapter 20 says, on the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, came Jesus and stood in the midst 
He showed them his hands and his feet and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they'd seen the Lord. You see, only Jesus can turn sorrow into joy. He's not speaking of sorrow in sequence here, that you'll have to go through this sorrow and joy will come. He's speaking of of joy as consequence here. The consequence of the sorrow of his death is going to bring the wonders of the joy that only he can bring. In fact, in verse 21, he illustrates what he said there in verse 20. Your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Verse 21, a woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. What a profound illustration of what Jesus is trying to teach. That through the sorrow, there's a consequence that can be known, and that consequence that can be known is the consequence of joy. R.A. Torrey started the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Dr. and Mrs. Torrey went through a terrible time of tremendous sorrow when in an accident, their 12-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, was killed. Mrs. Torrey went to the graveyard with her husband on the day that her little girl was buried. It was a terribly rainy, dreadful day. Their tears mixed with the raindrops that were falling from the sky, and she stood by that grave, and as she turned away, she said to her husband, I'm glad Elizabeth is with the Lord, but she's not in that box. The next day, Dr. Torrey was going about his business and walking down the streets of Los Angeles. He shared that he felt like the weight of the world was suddenly upon him. He was so overwhelmed by the thought of his daughter being gone and his home being so quiet, the joys that he'd known by her presence being taken away, that he cried out to the Lord. And then he wrote this. He said, There broke over me with such power the Spirit of God, like a fountain of joy, such as I'd never experienced before. It was the most joyful moment I've ever known in my life. That's resurrection joy. That's the joy of knowing that when we say goodbye, it's but for a season. Do you have resurrection joy? Do you have confidence of reunion with family members in heaven? Have you come to trust in Jesus Christ, the only one who has the ability to turn sorrow into joy. Christians don't circumvent sorrows. They don't navigate their way around sorrows. They go through sorrows. And unlike those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they go through sorrows knowing that our Savior can turn sorrow into joy. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which sleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope, for if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. The psalmist says, joy comes in the morning. It's true. But joy also comes in the morning. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Because Jesus is the only one who can turn sorrow into joy. And Jesus is the only one who can provide access to God. Oh, there are people who can do wonderful things, but only Jesus can provide unlimited access to God. Look at verse 23. Jesus says, and in that day, you'll ask me nothing. 
Verily, verily, I say to you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Then look at verse 26. Jesus said, that day you shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I am come out from God. Jesus is now inviting his disciples, he's inviting us to pray to the Father in his name. He invites us to come to the Father because we have a relationship with him, the only begotten of the Father, the true Son. He's already said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way. He's the only way to the Father. You can't access God because your parents were godly. You can't access God because your father was a preacher. You can't access God because all your family members and friends are Christians, or because you attend Colonial Hills Baptist Church, or because you've been baptized. The only access to God is the access that's provided through Jesus Christ. H.A. Ironside used to love to tell the story of a soldier who was in the battlefield during the Civil War. He came upon a soldier who was injured and he bowed low to minister to the one who was injured. And as they chatted during those few moments, the soldier who was seeking to provide aid for his fallen comrade said, listen, when I get out of this thing, if I get out alive, can I ever do anything for you? The man lying on the ground responded in an unusual way. He said, well, if you get out alive, maybe there's something I can do for you. He took out a note card and he scribbled on the back of the note card and he handed it to the man who was ministering aid to him. He said, my father's a very wealthy businessman. If you ever have a need, be sure to look up my father. And he handed that card to the man who was ministering aid. Years went by, the man kept that card and the time came when sure enough, he was going through a pretty challenging time. He had the address of the fallen comrade's father on the card, and so he thought, I'm going to take him up on that offer and go to find his father. He said he was a wealthy man, and maybe he could help me out. So he found the place where the father of the fallen comrade worked. He approached that place. It was a large building. Come to find out, the father of the man who was lying there was a very, very wealthy man. So the man knocked on the door, gained entrance, asked to see the owner of the establishment. People said, well, he was very busy. He took out his own business card and said, give him my business card and tell him I'd like to visit with him. They came back and said, he's sorry, but he can't visit with you, he has no time. Then he took out the card that he'd taken from the man's son on the battlefield and he handed it to the person who was in charge there at the door and said, hand him this card. Very soon, the man whose name was on the card came to the other man who was still standing in the lobby. And he said, why didn't you give me that card when you first asked to visit with me? On the card were the words, Father, if you can ever do anything for my friend who helped me when I was dying, please do so. And it was signed, Charlie. The man who owned the establishment said, come in right away. If there's anything I can do for you, I'd love to do it for you for my son Charlie's sake. Friend, do you realize that when you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you have been given an entrance into the heavenlies, not for your own sake, but for Jesus' sake. And when you come in prayer in the name of Jesus, you have access before the Father. 
given to you because the veil has been rent, the blood has been shed, the resurrection has been accomplished, and the promise of Christ is sure. And only Jesus can give you access to heaven. Only Jesus can give you access to the Father. And he offers that to you today. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, would you trust him today? He died upon the cross for your sins. This was the purpose of his coming. For the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He was buried, and oh, how his disciples mourned. But it was for a season, and today his disciples know joy that replaces sorrow. And today they have the Savior who gives access to God. Only Jesus can provide access to God. Only Jesus can bring clarity out of confusion. Only Jesus can bring sorrow into joy. And only Jesus can give peace in the storm. Look at verse 33 again with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good courage, or be of good cheer, rather. It can be translated, by the way, be of good courage. Be of good courage, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Even in the world filled with tribulation, we can have courage. We can have cheer. My grandparents lived in Boston, Massachusetts. From time to time, we'd go up to Boston to visit with them during inclement weather. One time, our family was visiting with my grandparents in Massachusetts when a terrible blizzard began. In fact, we were traveling home as the blizzard began. Snow was falling at sometimes two inches an hour. The wind was blowing. Interstate highways were closed. We were moved off the interstate highways onto state roads. My father's windshield wipers got all iced up. From time to time, he had to stop and break the ice off the windshield wipers. He feared that we'd never make it home. At least that's what I was told. I really don't remember anything of it. I was sleeping in the back seat the whole way home. Why should I worry about it? My father was driving. I had complete confidence when he was at the wheel. We were in the middle of a storm, but my father was there. Even so, this passage says, in the world you'll have tribulation. Be of good, good cheer, take heart, be courageous. The Lord has said, I will overtake the world. I will overcome the world. Only Jesus can give you peace in the storm. He's promised he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. In John 13 and verse 1, this passage says, Having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. In John 14 and verse 1, and again in verse 27, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Along the way, the disciples are peppering Jesus with questions. These, after all, are his final hours. Peter says at the end of John chapter 13, Lord, whither goest thou? Where are you going? Why can't we go with you? Jesus doesn't really answer the question. Thomas asks a question of the Lord. He says in John 14 and verse 5, we don't know where you're going at all. Will you please show us the Father? We'd be satisfied. Jesus doesn't ask the, answer the question that Thomas is asking. Judas, not Iscariot, actually interjects in John 14 and verse 22, and he says to Jesus, I simply want to know why you're not telling these things to the people outside, to the, 
the people outside of this room? Why are you only sharing these things with your disciples? Again, Jesus doesn't give an answer. As you study the passage before us, Jesus does not answer the specific questions of his disciples because he knows better than his disciples. He knows that all of the specific answers gathered together would not calm their quivering hearts. Instead of giving them answers to, his, to their specific questions, he satisfies their souls by sharing promises, by explaining to them this, that he can do what no one else can do, that he can bring clarity in the midst of confusion, that he can turn sorrow into joy, that he can provide access to God, that he can give peace in the midst of the storm. Jesus can provide for all of us irrevocable joy. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.